In this episode of Decent Rowing Podcast, we're going to be talking about power applications, specifically around the catch. This uh, section is a part of our website under catch connection videos. Uh, so if you want to have a look at any of the concepts we talk about, it's under catch connection videos and the subheading power application towards the bottom of the page. So when, when we're talking about power application, we're not really talking about getting the blade in the water and pushing as hard as we can. A lot of people think that that's just what rowing is all about. And yes, you will be able to row a boat like that, but we're talking about a bit more finesse, aren't we, when we're thinking about power application. Oh, absolutely. And power application's got a couple of angles from my perspective. It's how you apply the power during the rowing stroke, which is very important, and also which muscles you use in what sequence in order to apply that power because there are marked differences in, in the best way to row. The two, if I take two particular opposite examples, then when you're applying the power during the rowing stroke, there's one way of doing it is where you apply it uh, front-loaded and there's another way where you apply it back-loaded. Now, by that I mean a front-loaded rowing stroke is one where I would describe it as the athlete applying a lot of power at the beginning of the stroke. So... As soon as the blade's in the water, hopefully they're connected before they apply the power, which is a separate problem, of course. But assuming they're connected, if you apply a lot of power at the beginning of the stroke, that's a front-loaded stroke in my book. And if instead you apply a lot of power at the back of the stroke, then that's a back-loaded stroke. Now, you'll find that these two things combine to some extent with how you come down the slide, which is not the subject of this podcast, but it's important to understand that if you accelerate the boat as you come down the slide, then you can, that's one way of making the boat move faster. And then the critical step after that is do you apply it with a front loaded or a back loaded style? I'm pretty clearly in the back loaded uh, camp, but what I'd suggest is it's different for different boats. So different boats behave different ways as far as power application goes. So with me, when I'm rowing, I like to think of power application. So basically you place the blade in the water. You have that very quick movement with the legs at the catch just to get connected. So just a quick movement. It's not like a, a powerful movement, just a quick movement with the legs, get connected once the blade's in the water. And then I feel like it's a squeeze all the way through the rowing stroke. So, <clears throat> And depending on how hard I'm trying, so depending on what it is, if it's a race, race piece, I'm probably going to be, at, you know, at 90%, I'd say 100% is something I'd only be able to maintain to say 500 meters. Uh, so say a 2K race, I'd be at 90%. So basically getting it, picking it up quickly and I, and I pick it up quickly and then just squeeze it all the way through to the finish. So driving with the legs, my opening with the body and then the arms finally, my rowing strokes kind of mostly uh, legs and body at a similar time and the arms come in a little bit later when I get closer to the, the perpendicular with the oar. Um, but I generally try and think of it as applying a constant pressure through my handles uh, to accelerate the boat uh, at a constant constant acceleration, not trying to think too much about uh, large spikes of power, just trying to lay down the power in a consistent and uh yeah, consistent manner. Absolutely. Uh, large spikes of power, what that essentially means is that you're trying to accelerate the boat really quickly for a short period of time and then for the rest of the rowing stroke you're not accelerating it as much. And so it's like anything, to have a rapid change in speed uh, 
upwards is always energy inefficient. If you can do it gradually, then you're going to get a, a much more energy efficient stroke and therefore be able to maintain that for longer and therefore have a faster time. So it's important to make sure that when you apply the power that you apply it commensurate with the boat speed. So if the boat's going quite slow in a single scull, then you'll find you have to apply more gently at the beginning of the stroke and accelerate it through to the finish. But it's really about that that constant effort application and judging that effort to be at the optimal level so that you're applying as much power as you can without causing slip at any point in the stroke. Sharp movements in acceleration tend to cause slip because the blade can't necessarily hold the amount of power you're putting against it. So very important, uh, particularly in a smaller boat. In a larger boat, for example, if you've got a, an eight that weighs 100 kilos and it's got 800 kilos of people in it, then that's a pretty heavy mass and it doesn't slow down anywhere near as much as in a single. And so the power application in an eight, indeed in a quad, four, single, pair, uh, double, uh, it's quite different for each boat. The smaller the boat, the more finesse you need in that power application and the bigger the boat because it's moving at a more constant speed you can apply more power earlier and and you have less acceleration because the boat didn't slow down as much so you don't have to pick its speed up as much. So it's very important to understand that uh, applying power at the wrong point in the stroke is going to uh, debt to be the, to the detriment of boat speed. It'll make the boat go faster, sure, but overall it's going to be a slower boat than if you apply it uh, in an even measured way, uh, depending on the boat class. So it's it's a, a difficult skill to judge because uh, most people. When they're out racing, they're just trying as hard as they can. And you actually want to do more than that. You want to think about your technique more to get that power application uh, that fits with that boat. Also, of course, if you're at a regatta, you might be rowing a singles race in one, uh, single in one race, and then the next race might be an eight. And so you've got to be able to adjust as an athlete. You've got to be able to adjust to the boat to make sure that you don't row them the same way because they're quite different. Yeah, it's not it's not just the uh, the boats that you have to worry about. It's uh, the crews. So if you're used to rowing a single a certain way, and you jump in a, a double with someone else who's used to rowing a single in a completely different way, so say maybe you're more front front power, uh, front end of the stroke, they're more back end of the stroke power. Uh, it's going to feel really really disrupted when you're trying to row a boat together. Um, you'll feel the boat kicking and and responding really weirdly it won't feel together and so you really have to make sure if you're a coach that you're and if you're combining a crew that doesn't do a lot of rowing together that they're combining their their power application in a way that is consistent with the other rowers in the crew uh, i've rowed in quite a few boats uh, that you can really feel a difference between the way that that say i apply the power and someone else applies the power um, one way is not necessarily better than the other but it really need you really need to be the same so it's important to um, at least check if you're if you're a coach or you know you're say one of the leaders in the crew to make sure that people are doing the right thing at the right time also on on rowing a, an eight things like that you have a because the boat's moving a lot far, more more quickly um in an in an eight and also the blade is actually got a lot less arc, so you have to be a lot more quick and precise with the the blade than you do in a in a sculling boat because there's less less arc, less time to get um, the power on, and so you have to be 
have a lot of finesse with a fast-moving, sweet boat compared to a, a single skull or a double skull, even a quad skull, uh, is not quite as uh, intense as rowing an eight that's moving a lot more quickly and you have a lot less time to apply your power. Mm. And um, in, in an eight, you you often be able to get away with whatever sort of power application you like because, as Ken said, it's a very very heavy boat you won't really upset it too much but as you get closer and closer to elite boats if someone's applying the power in a different manner than the rest of the crew you will notice it and it's one of those things that you can't really put your finger on what's going wrong with the boat um but it's it's yeah it's, it's sort of like a hidden disruptor is uh the way people apply power in the boat and so it's good to be really clear about what you want whether you want a large effort you know, just after the catch or towards the finish, um, you know, it's not very useful to say you want a huge power application, maximum power throughout the whole stroke. Uh, it's not really possible. And, you know, anyone who has half a brain in the crew is probably going to balk at such a comment. So try and be really specific and try and think about what you're, what you're trying to, uh, to achieve with your power application goals. And one of the things too is if you take a, uh, this power application, you pick a, a, a simple boat, if I call it that, with two athletes, a double or, or a pair, probably a double a better one to use, is that if you can imagine one athlete applying a lot of power at the front end of the stroke and another applying a lot of power at the back end of the stroke, then they've got all the load. And so it feels very heavy because uh, whoever's got the power at that time has got the whole boat pretty much. And so you'll find that the person who's got the power on first They've got the whole boat trying to move it and then they ease off on the back end of the stroke, for example, and you've got the other person has got them all the load then. So it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable boat to row in, as Lachlan said, and also you'll find that it's a bit exhausting because you're actually, each athlete is applying heavy amounts of power without actually moving the boat effectively. You do it together, it feels totally different. And so, as Lachlan says, work really hard to get the power application the same because it's it's very important. The other part of the power application is which bits of the body you use. And that's a fairly important part that links in with when you're applying power front-loaded or back-loaded. The, if you find an athlete that's, or you're an athlete that, that lifts their shoulders at the catch, it's interesting when you watch their acceleration curve in rowing in motion, you'll see that they get a, a very rapid acceleration right at the catch now what it is though is it's totally unsustainable they might move the boat up to five six meters per second per second which is very fast acceleration and it's a really quick spike which is pretty much wasted because the boat might accelerate a tiny bit there but then it immediately drops back because it's unsustainable so you want to make sure that they're applying power at the same time and don't use your shoulders and arms right at the catch like that uh, yes, it feels well connected and it feels like you're doing some work, but in fact, you're not attributing a lot to the overall race speed. The other thing that happens is once you've got the blade in the water and it's well connected, then you can, you can really apply power through your, your lower um, back and your, your trunk against the leg drive. And so you can really apply a lot of power at that point once you're connected. And if you find that some athletes use their leg drive completely before they use their bodies, and they're rowing in a boat with someone who uses their legs to get connected, and once they're connected, then they open up with their body, then you've got quite different power curves. And you'll find that that, again, is something that you want to try and fix. 
the danger in a lot of beginner crews is in asking them to open up their body. Now, by open up the body, I'd suggest use uncurl the body from the hips effectively, so it's it's more of an uncurling motion rather than a shoulder lift. But you want to make sure that they're they're doing that part of it together, because otherwise you will have different power applications. The sequence generally is that you, if you can do it well, would be to get the power on, get connected first, and get the power on with the legs, and then very soon after, use your body against your legs to get that maximum drive. When you get through to the arms, you don't usually increase the boat speed a lot with your arms. The arms are just not big muscles. But what they can do is they can maintain the boat speed. And so once you've got the boat up to speed with your legs and your trunk, then you can maintain the boat speed with your arms through to the finish and and therefore get a faster boat that way. It's, it's important, though, to make sure that, that you use them in the same sequence within the one boat because if people are using different parts of their body at different parts of the stroke, then you'll find you get a disjointed drive and it's not going to give you the fastest boat. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of real benefits uh, with rowing a certain way. Uh, the rowing stroke's actually set up really well to be one of the fastest, most efficient ways to to move a human on water and it's got a lot to do with the way that the blade comes around towards the bow at the catch. Uh, basically at the, that first part of the stroke is is actually quite slow because you, you arc the way the blade arcs around it gives you a lot of leverage and it's important to use the right muscles at the right time during the rowing stroke. So the the reason why I say this is because the, your legs and your lower back muscles they're really strong muscles, but they're also really slow muscles. And so they're no good at the finish. There's no point trying to, um, when the blade's moving really quickly relatively, relative to the boat uh, towards the finish of the stroke, there's no point using your legs there because they won't be able to contract quickly enough to actually give you any benefit. What is really good towards the end of the stroke is your arms. So your arms and shoulders, they're very small muscles, but they're also very quick muscles. And so you want to make sure the right muscle is doing the job the, of applying the power at the right time. So at the catch, you want to be at your legs, you want to be through your core, your lower back, those really strong but slow contracting muscles using the leverage of that blade that's all the way around towards the catch is an excellent way of applying the power and you want to be hanging with those arms, not using them at all. So not fatiguing them, keeping them fresh, getting them ready to take, apply the power towards the end of the stroke. So when you, when you place the blade, you can think about opening up with the body. You don't want to be lifting the shoulders without pushing the legs. So the key is to push the legs and open with the shoulders at the same time. You create a very strong, large and full power curve. And then towards the end of the stroke where the blades, the handle's moving a lot more quickly in relation to the boat where you are, you use your, your hands to pull it in. And so as Ken said before, um, with our rowing motion app, you want to be looking at area under the curve. So that's that's what's maximizing the increase in velocity is the area under the acceleration curve and not any spikes throughout. So that's why it's useful to have a, a constant power application. Um, you, starting off with your large muscles of your legs and your back and finishing off with your quick muscles of your arms and shoulders to get the most out of your uh, most out of your rowing stroke in the most, most biomechanically efficient way possible. That's why you don't bend the arms at the catch. It's a waste. You need to save that catch for those um, those large muscles in the legs and lower back. Absolutely. The other thing that once you get the power uh, 
drive phase correct, then what I suggest you do is have a look at the boat in relation to where you sit within the boat. And so if you can, you want to have the most of the power being applied when the blade's approaching uh, perpendicular to the boat. And so that's where you've got the most force available to be used uh, to push the boat forward, uh, simply because of the angles. And so I'd get your power application right first, and then I'd suggest film the, the crew from the side and watch what's happening to the blades as they go past square off. And so you want to make sure that as the blade's just approaching square off, you want to have the leg drive and the body drive all underway at once at that point. And that way you're going to get the most efficient propulsion of the boat forward. So just have a look at, uh, at where the opening of the body and the remaining leg drive is at that point. You want to make sure that as the blade approaches square off that your leg drive is not completely used and your body's not completely used or not used at all. And so it's really about balancing that so you've got maximum power of the major groups of muscles, the core and your leg muscles driving the boat through that square off position. So film it and slow it down and have a good look at it. But I suggest don't start doing that with the crew until the crew are rowing well together because you're just going to be making adjustments to the boat to fit in with a habit that's not the right way to row. So I'd get them doing the power application correct first with the legs and body together as they go, as they're getting towards the legs down so that they're working as efficiently as they can and then once you've got them doing that then I'd suggest start to look at where they sit in the boat to see if you should uh, change how they apply the power going past square off but power application and the use of the correct muscles to in the correct sequence is is critical and as Lachlan said before if you've got a crew where you've got different people applying power at different parts of the stroke then you're going to end up with a poor performing boat but worse perhaps you're going to end up with some athletes thinking they're doing all the work when in fact all they're doing is uh, they're just a little bit out of sequence and if you get that sequence right and that power application right then the boat will feel a lot better yeah in, uh, in smaller boats, you can get away with uh, perhaps uh, little little bits of differences in effort, maybe like because you're the only one in the single, you're the only one, if your boat speed drops off, you'll, you'll notice and you'll try a bit harder. In eights, uh, you know, people tend to, to blend into the crowd. Some will be trying harder, some will be trying less hard. And so it's really important to sort of set the bar for what you expect people to be rowing like in your eight. Um, it can be useful to use heart rate monitors, uh, lots of people have them these days, and trying to work out if the level of effort that the people are putting into the boat is is um, comparable. So you want everyone to be trying the same level at the same time. Uh, in eights, for example, it can be very good to get the athletes to do some, some what we call power strokes, basically have the athletes rowing in fours, uh, try, maybe doing 20 strokes as hard as they can, um, rowing, rowing in fours, but trying to push the whole eight. So it's very heavy. What you'll find is that they have to be very well connected. Uh, you can make it a competition if you like. Um, if you're tracking speed, you can compare the bow four against the stern four, things like that. Um, and basically trying to condition the athletes. So when they place that blade in the water, they're trying as hard as possible to, to move the boat forwards. And, and so what this happens, what happens when they start rowing all eight after that is the boat actually picks up and runs a lot better. Eights especially, uh, they really uh, benefit from having a, a consistent concerted power application of all rowers in the boat. And so, and then once you've got them, got that set point of 
basically them placing the blade in the water, trying as hard as they can and tapping out, you can, main- you can maintain that boat speed for quite a long time and it's really only the rating that will de- define how hard they're actually pushing their body. So if you're rating it, say, 18, 16 or 20, something like that, they're not going to be taxing their body uh, as maximally. It'll still be hard work, but uh, it's important to get everyone rowing with the same sort of intent in a boat. And if it seems like the boat isn't moving well, it's not together, so we're talking about like an intermediate to advanced crew here. We're not talking about people that are really struggling with the basics of technique. It can be useful to stop them, get them to do some power strokes, uh, give them that little reset that they need so they understand how hard they should be trying and then get them to start rowing off again. It makes a huge difference and can really snap a crew out of a, a bad patch that they're having if everyone just thinks about, you know, concerted, at maximal power application once the blade's in the water. Um, yeah, it, I've been quite a few crews where this has worked a treat and I, I'd highly recommend it. Another thing you can do with a crew to, in a drill sense is to do a bit of legs-only work, a bit of legs and body, uh, a number of strokes at a time. And I'd suggest, again, if you're in a bigger boat, I'd start off doing it with someone sitting out to, to balance the boat so it makes it easier to get that get a good, clean catch. But the concept really is how they're applying the power and what's the sequence. And so if you break up the rowing stroke, the power application into the different components that it's got, for example, legs, legs, body, arms, and just break it up in a drill sense, then you'll be able to easily see those athletes that are, that are not quite the same as the others in relation to that power application. Another thing that, that uh, leading on from what Lachlan said a minute ago about when you're in a race and people try and uh, push harder uh, in order to get a burst of speed, I'd strongly suggest that before you actually do the push in a race, check your technique, check your power application, check a number of things, but we're talking about power application. So just check that you're applying power in the way that the crew are meant to do it all together. If each person checks their own power application, make sure they're connected, which sequence of muscles they've got on, and then you do the push, you'll find that the boat will go a lot faster. If you do a push without getting your technique right the first place, then often it just feels like a lot of heavy work. Yeah. One uh, little little bonus thing, I guess, you could talk about with power application, uh, it particularly applies to a pair. So if you're rowing a pair with someone, well, with pretty much any boat, you want to make sure that the two rowers or more are in perfect time. They're placing the blade at the same time. They're applying the power at the same time. Uh, in a pair, that's that's also the case. But what one thing you really want to avoid in a pair is the bow person beating the st- stroke person into the water and applying the power before the stroke person's managed to get connected, it's really upsetting. So if uh, if you're having a bit of trouble in a pair, maybe it might be useful to get the bow person to think about delaying the power application just a fraction, um, just to let the p- stroke person get connected. Maybe recommend the stroke person get their blade in and connect it a bit quicker. But that's one thing that uh, is useful, especially with rowing pairs that doesn't doesn't necessarily apply so much to other boats. Absolutely. I, I hear people often in a pair say, oh, the other person's pulling me around. Well, that's, in most cases, that's not the case. What's happening is that they're not applying the power in the right time and the right sequence in order to make the boat go fast. And each person in a pair has quite a different role. As Lachlan just said, the bow person has got to let the stroke get first grab at the water. 
And then the stroke person is the only person out of the two that can see the stern of the boat. And if the power application is uneven during the stroke, then the stroke person can see the boat twitch during the rowing stroke. You can see the, the stern flick back and forth depending on when the power is applied. So then what happens is that the stroke person can then adjust their power application to some extent to make the boat run straight. Now, if it's clearly that doesn't fix it, then you need to work on each of the people in the pair need to work together to get that fixed. But essentially, the stroke person needs to be able to adjust their power application to some extent to match what the bow person's doing. And so let the stroke person have the first grab and then from the stroke's perspective, watch the stern of the boat and make it go straight. And you'll find that that makes the boat faster straight away. Another interesting thing with rowing pairs and, and people being pulled around, for example, maybe. Um, so what, what will happen, say you're getting pulled around uh, to your side, uh, you think, oh, I'm going to try harder, and typically you end up trying harder at the finish, which actually has the opposite effect that you want because of the way the blade's facing once it gets past the perpendicular. You're actually contributing to the boat being pulled around to your side. So typically if the boat's getting pulled around to your side, um, and so, you know, the, the inference is you're not as strong as the person who's pulling you around. You really need to focus on your catch and getting your catch in and that power application early in the stroke to correct the problem. It's not around the finish of the stroke. And if you do put that effort into the finish of the stroke, you'll actually make the problem worse, not better for yourself. Mm. And you'll find that the fast pairs are pairs that cooperate. Uh, the fact of one person trying harder in a pair on their own is just going to destroy the pair. So pairs are a really useful boat for training people in this in this area, in the power application. Unfortunately, I see people often put uh, athletes into pairs before they can row properly, and and that is a bit problematic because it's if a pair is unbalanced, it's really hard to get a good catch, it's really hard to row properly. So I'd suggest get the technique right first and then go out and do it in a pair and get them to work on power application because power application in a pair is something where it's there's nowhere to hide. If uh, the power application is different, you'll see it. And so I'd suggest uh, get it right first. If you're rowing pairs a lot and the technique's not great, then I'd suggest start rowing a pair and do what we call circle work where you just have one person rowing out of the two and the pair goes around in a big circle, but the person who's not rowing keeps the boat balanced so that they can actually focus on catch, finer techniques, finish and the like. And once they've got that together, then I'd suggest an ideal vehicle boat for um, working on even power application. So if you want to see any of the videos uh, that we've been talking about today in our podcast, they're all um, on our website. Uh, under power application it's under the catch connection videos section and the power application headings uh, towards the bottom of the page uh, if you're thinking about signing up uh, we have a free membership option one week free um, and also paid membership options uh, mem our members get access to our rowing library of over 850 videos we also have indoor uh, and on-water rowing courses, training programs that are also customised, customizable, uh, and wall charts indoor and on-water, which are useful for clubs. Uh, if you think about signing up for a paid membership, please do. Uh, we really appreciate the support. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing, and we'd really appreciate it. So until next time.